Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome back to the Anime Trending Podcast. It's me, James, your perennial host. I realize now I sound a lot more animated than I have in previous episodes. Maybe it's because we were recording this slightly earlier in the day than we normally do. Joining me are the usual suspects. Hi, everyone. This is Gracie hopping back and forth between Girl Taku and the Anime Trending Podcast. And we also have... And this is Nico, and I'm here with my usual sunshine self, um, probably because I'm always at the earliest time zone compared to the others, but also because this season has been pretty good, and I think I get a good show to watch every day this season. That's awesome. I can't wait to make that a part of my life when the semester, the semester's so close to being over, Nick, you have no idea how excited I am. <laughs> I can, I can feel it. Like, I feel it's like radiating through with your voice. I'm like, wait, James it's is usually this happy. Hmm. Yeah. Oh like... my goodness. Yeah, I have a final exam on Monday, and then that's my only final exam, which is great because I'm actually leaving early to go to Chicago for ASEN, uh, a couple days ahead of the convention to like hang out in Chicago and see what's up. Mm-hmm. Because I have, t- if you count like being in the city limits, I've been to Chicago like five times. Uh, one of them was ASEN in 2019, and the other four times have been layovers at Chicago Midway Airport. <laughs> so i've never actually gotten to see the city well good thing you'll be done with your tests because then we'll get to pop quizzy on what's what's really cool this season or things that have been really sticking out for you Um, yeah i'm I'm taking the train there and then i'm taking the train back to california to visit my parents okay yeah so you have plenty of time then because yeah i have i have huge blocks of time several of which i will have no cell service which means i have no choice but to either work on interview transcriptions or watch anime that i've downloaded on my tablet and I intend to do both of those things. Mm-hmm. Nice. Anyway, nice. speaking of things I will need to download so I can get caught up, uh, we have the chart check. This is our second chart check of the season. This got published on April 23rd. Um, let's get to it. In first place, we have Hell's Paradise. In second place, we have Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury Season 2. In third place, we have Oshinoko. In fourth place, we have Tengoku Daimakyo. Wow. (laughs) Messing up my pronunciation on that. Uh, In fifth place, we have My Love Story with Yamada-kun at level 999. In sixth place, we have Skip and Loafer. In seventh place, we have Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, Swordsmith Village Arc. In eighth place, we have Insomniacs After School. In ninth place, we have Mashal, Magic and Muscles. And in 10th place, we have Konosuba, an explosion on this wonderful world. Uh, the the top four bucket changing a little bit. Um, Yamada-kun took kind of a tumble. I think last week it was uh, like second or whatever. And now it's it's seeded some places to Gundam and Oshinoko and uh, Heavenly Delusion. Any any thoughts? It's also two? gonna probably tumble next week to Skip and Loafer. I mean, it's right on its tail, and yeah, Skip and Loafer is probably the best romance uh, of the season. So I would say that a story called My Love Story uh, is kind of doomed. <laughs> Not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I love Skip and Loafer. Uh, and I was just gonna say I, I also feel like skip it low first the better (laughs) of the the two so i mean not that i'm not enjoying the other one but yeah yeah i think nick summed it up as like they're both good it's just one is better than the other 
So I uh, I need to get caught up on a lot of these. I Witcher Mercury. I don't even know. At some point, I'm just gonna have to like sit down and marathon it. And I do not like the idea of marathoning it because I feel like I have to like clear my schedule for the day, and it's very difficult for me to do that because there's always something that comes creeping in. Um, but like, I, this I'm gonna week have was to. So good though, like. It's I like, haven't watched any of season oh one. Oh my gosh, dude. Because like season two has gone in kind of like the super dark path of like, yep, this is a Gundam show. Oh, let's that, that, oh, I'm so, let's I, throw I, some orphans at you. Let's throw some sadness. Like, it was pretty traumatizing. Honestly, like not going to lie, even even for Gundam series, I was like, yep, that was a pretty traumatic episode. Um, because you finally kind of got uh, Gwell coming back after probably like three or four episodes of absence because he's kind of been stranded. Like, imagine being, like, in the middle of school, accidentally killing your father, and then now being thrown into a conflict on Earth while everyone else is kind of, like, still back in school. So he's just, like, finding himself in, like, the war zone, and he's not even the main character, but he gives, like, he could be the, he could be a main character in, like, any other Gundam series, but he's not, but this is why he's, like, my favorite. Um, I see. Good episode. I just know that um, a funny moment or a funny moment I saw on Twitter was literally just someone was just like, oh, let me just check in and see how girls do it. And then they took like screenshots of him and they were like, <laughs> oh, what's <It's> so- <laughs> up? really sad. <laughs> I've, I'm waiting for the, the meme of the like slaps character. This bad boy can fit so much sadness in it. Well, so so you, you remember watching like the first couple episodes of Utena, right? Yes, barely. So so like to give like the character equivalent from Utena is like um Sionji, the guy who's like the first rose bride, uh the first person betrothed to the rose bride that Utena has to beat up. That's like Gwell. I see. So he's like the super jerk jock that like is the popular kid in school, but now he's just like in this total like madhouse now, and it's like it's so sad how much suffering he's gone through the series. Excellent. Yeah, I'll need to watch. I'll put that on the. I'll put that on the list as stuff to watch on the train. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Gracie. Any any comments? Any thoughts? Really, I guess because one of the topics is going to be one of the anime that we're planning to talk about today, so that's why I'm kind of holding my thoughts in that regard. But yeah, same. Yeah, um, I I'm not surprised. It's the the results are definitely not upsetting the way that last season was. I'll just put it that way. So <laughs> I'm gonna learn Photoshop just so I can make a meme of like this season two. We are including the angel next door spoils me rotten. Position zero. Because it's above everything or it's below? Because but it's you above put it everything. at the very... It's above... I did oh a double pun. Gosh. I did a double pun for everybody that understands uh, Japanese theater or watches Revue Starlight. Oh, well, I don't watch either of Position those. zero is the terminology used for center stage. So oh, in, got in it, American got it, yeah. theater, In American theater, it's like center stage and then stage left <laughs> and then stage right. And then, um, at least my understanding of the the Takarazuka Review, and I think this may apply to other Japanese theater, uh, like traditional, or not, let me rephrase that. Uh, Japanese musical theater, not traditional theater, because that usually means like no or kabuki or stuff like that. But the the um, z- position zero is center stage, and then you have negative two, negative one, and then like plus one and plus two to denote like where you are. So it's like a number line as opposed to- left and right? Yeah, Um, but with numbers instead of left and right to make things a little bit easier. Okay. 
So yeah, position zero is center stage, and then position zero on the chart would be like above everything else. Now that I've explained the joke, it's not as funny, I think, but that's okay. I yeah, mean, but it, at least in my head, at least I know that, like, I guess Japanese theater, they definitely are having fistfights in the back screen trying to get the number one spot, like, no matter what production it is. Like, that that least lets me know that Revue Starlight's real. Yeah, that's true. Rev- Revue Starlight is an accurate reflection of reality. There is 100% a talking giraffe living in the basement. <laughs> yeah. I think from top four, I think Tengoku Daimakyo or Heavenly Delusion being high is kind of interesting because I want to see like the vote breakdown because this feels like the trajectory Summertime Rendering would go if like it actually had, if Summertime Rendering actually had good distribution in the West because like right now it is on Hulu and it's it's actually releasing week to week. It's like finally like whoever's been listening to the podcast or whoever's listening to any feedback of like, please release please release these shows that are owned by Disney, but like on a Disney owned broadcast, um, they're listening. So we're yeah, finally give getting them to it. us so. weekly. Thank you. Apparently it is literally just one person who cares and has been pushing it because he, when Tungoku Dai, uh, Dai Makyo, uh got released later in the U S on Hulu compared to everywhere else on Disney plus like that Hulu employee was the only guy who was explaining what's going on and how there was like a mishap. And so they have to release it a few days later, but after that, everything should be on schedule. Like he's the only guy. <laughs> so. Thank you. That guy Props to that person because yeah. you have, you have given Hulu and by uh, virtue of being owned by Disney, uh, Bob Iger, you've given him at least $15 from me. Um, <laughs> so good congratulations um, there we go yeah I, I, I'm looking forward to watching that I need to get a Hulu account I think my parents have one I can mooch off of I don't know I'm a student I'm kind of like living in the perpetual broke zone mm-hmm. so that's why I'm taking the train instead of flying it has nothing to do with the fact that I love trains it's just that taking the train happened to be like $30 less than a plane ticket but also mm-hmm. you love trains. But also I love trains. <laughs> Absolutely. 110%. So what I was going to say is Tengoku Daimakyo is honestly the perfect example of the fact that that sort of story and atmosphere is just not made for me. Because <laughs> I honestly don't love it. And I know I'm not... I did see someone else who said like they admire it for the way it's written and they love the production for what it is, but ultimately they can't care for it because it just doesn't... It's just not their thing and not their vibe. And I'm like, that's exactly how I feel about it right now. Like, I know it's very strong. I know the like there's nothing that I can really critique about it in all honesty from like the first three or four episodes, but I just don't feel invested in it. And I'm just like, I think it's literally like this is just the proof that these types of stories really just aren't my jam. And so I can like (laughs) objectively admire it without subjectively being into it for some reason. It's like it's a very strange feeling when that happens because I think it's kind of rare for it to be such like a very nice split between the two, but I genuinely feel that split right now. So. <laughs> I think we've I think we've mentioned this topic in the past actually because I remember there was something to do with like being like obje- again be like being objective just like I can understand that all of these are good. I am still not going to watch it just cuz like the subject matter is not something I'm interested in. 
we did do it slightly for our anime trending awards episodes where we talked about subjectively which one we would like to see win but then objectively which one we think should there win. There we go, yeah. And so like that's what we did cuz I talked about Mob Psycho season the last season I was like I think objectively it should win anime of the year even though subjectively I actually didn't even um I actually didn't even watch it but I just know so much <laughs> about it that I'm like mm-hmm. it needs to it needs to do well. And so that's how, but anyway, I'm actually watching Tengoku Daimakyo, but I'm like, I have never had such a clear situation where there is nothing for me to critique about it, but I just don't care about the characters so, or the story. And I just have this weird disconnect from it. So yeah. There we if go. you need like critiques, I mean, the main thing right now is it kind of does have it written kind of in a magic box sort of scenario where there's so many questions and I feel like it answers a lot of your questions with even more questions. Um, and so I feel like over the course of the season, it might have the problem of like trying to answer too much. Cause then you get from like, like let's, let's like, let's take another production IG show, like be the beginning where I feel like it has a really strong hook of just like be the beginning is like demons, uh, police people working with it trying to solve a serial killer and that's it and then like by the end of the season it's like explaining like every sort of detail that goes into like who created this and why and it like at that point it like it kind of jumped the, like the literal shark uh, at that spot um tengoku daimakyo is like you have kind of two stories you have like the main uh two characters that are wandering trying to find this place called heaven um and then you have what we presume is supposed to be heaven, like the area that they're tr- probably looking for. You have all the kids growing up in that academy. And like, those are the sort of things that are giving me like that Shinsuke Yori vibe where Ooh, it's like these like kids that. are growing up. Their adults aren't really telling them what's what's up because they're hiding the outside world. But there's like enough details that they're kind of throwing in that like maybe these kids are getting experimented on because they have a little bit of superhuman uh ability like like there's like the one guy who ends up falling like 50 feet and like doesn't straight up die where i didn't know if that was just dramatic or if that was just something hinting at something else but then like at that point oh, like, no, the story I, I, might... no, 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 no. I think they have powers because i'm pretty sure one of the one of the girls has foresight because she was predicting yeah. things and then another guy i almost wonder if his paintings can come to life his drawings can come to life because of the fish with arms we later see and so um yeah i like they definitely have powers uh. yeah awesome um I, I didn't mean to cut you off if you've got a thought. Otherwise, I have. Well, it, it was like that. And then there's also the fact with like the dynamic between Kiriko and Maru where Kiriko, um, you don't know if like this is a character that is necessarily like this is their original body. Like they're born as a woman, but identify as a man. Or if it's like body swap where their brain was in some other body. Like this sounds crazy when I have to like explain these like details, but that, that's what I'm it, saying. Like there's I like five or six like. Swap. I think it's, I mean, at least from the way it's shown so far, it seems yeah. like a boy's brain was put into a girl's body. My my guess is in that moment, this is my guess, because we obviously don't know what happened. My guess mm-hmm. is probably like somehow whatever happened to the girl originally, she became brain dead. So she basically didn't have a working brain anymore. But, um, but the, 
but the brain of the boy who was dying is like was still like alive and not dead yet and still working and so i think in that whatever happened in that moment a doctor was probably like well i, I gotta save I-, I could at least save that one at least the brain you know <laughs> so, yeah yeah, for uh, yeah. Sure. but like you get what i'm saying where it's like the main premise seems to be it's post-apocalypse where there's now spirit monster things that are like roaming the the world but like there's like five or six other like crazy sci-fi plot threads that could be its own thing that are kind of sprinkled into the show where like i do feel like it's losing focus on that well honestly i think this is like this lays out like i this just shows like the certain genres that like never clicked with me because on one end we Uh have a group of people who's like a living in a more dystopian world and I never really got into the whole dystopian craze in YA novels back when I was in high school. Like, it was everywhere. That's what all the people were reading. And the only ones that I ended up enjoying at the end was Hunger Games. Particularly, I was really impressed with the way that it ended, despite the fact that a lot of people didn't like it. I thought it was gutsy. <laughs> I thought it was gutsy the way she ended yeah. it. And so, mm-hmm. um, so, there was, so that was why I liked Hunger Games. But literally, I could not get into any of the other dystopian YA novel series that became huge after that I just I I just did not click with the genre and so that by itself kind of puts a like a wall between me and Tengoku Daimakyo and then I never like post-apocalyptic stories so that's Uh. another one and then on top of that I could care less about sci-fi I genuinely (laughs) like genuinely as a kid despised reading sci-fi like I reading sci-fi to me was like pulling teeth out as a kid and so and so Tengoku Daimakyo basically stacked three of the genres that I really don't care about and put them together but then they all also have a very like airtight plot and interesting characters and incredible production it's just like okay well there we there i am <laughs> like i can't yeah. i can't connect with it but objectively i can admire it so <laughs> yeah this just it's like you're describing it, it's just checking all the boxes for me because i'm like yeah I, i'm that kid that read all the 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 young adult dystopian novels admittedly oh, more gosh, to yeah. see like world building than anything else to be like hey what would ha- yeah wh- how do you think society would collapse um there's a there's a before the history channel turned into like pawn stars and ancient aliens they used to have a uh they used to have like actual cool educational programming uh and two of my favorite programs that they had was one of them is called modern marvels which is about like cool historical engineering stuff but then the other one they had was called life after people that was essentially like what would happen to society if everyone got raptured so like if just everybody every human being on the planet just disappeared all at once what happens to the like the infrastructure and the systems that we leave behind uh and so that's that's my jam and then science fiction i i grew up reading isaac isamov's children's books so i'm it's kind of just my thing i'm your i'm the anti-gracie I, I know you really are the anti me. <laughs> I don't know. From my end, I like I like the sci-fi books that are disguised as fantasy books. Like the one I was reading right now, the fifth season by N.K. Jenison, where you imagine a whole world that an entire society that has to kind of be rethought because the magic involves crazy cataclysmic earthquakes. Man, it's a really good series. I'll have to check that out. I I need to read more more books. I've been trying to read like nonfiction, and it's been slow going. And maybe I should just change my tack and and read a fiction book and just enjoy it. Anyway, 
we we drifted away from the original fantastic segue that you unintentionally gave me, Nick. But speaking of paradise and fish with arms, um, we're t- <laughs> uh, today's main topic is Hell's Paradise. Uh, there are four episodes out, I think. Did yep, one, did, four. Okay, cool. Uh, then I am totally caught up. I don't remember what day things air because I usually just watch stuff on weekends or Tuesdays. Saturday, nights. remember the first episode aired when we were fooling a guy in the podcast here? Yeah, right. <laughs> on the day of the great Are we, we going to talk about that on this podcast? <laughs> maybe, I mean, be my guest. Bro. <laughs> maybe not this podcast. Maybe yeah. Um, right, Saturdays. Anyway, Hell's Paradise. It's a show. Um we're all watching it, I think. Yes. Yep. Excellent. Um, I will begin with a kind of banal observation, or at least personal opinion. Uh, the opening is a banger. I love it. It's so good. I I thought I would get tired of it, but then I was watching a couple. I watched like two episodes back to back yesterday, and I was like, yeah, no, I could just listen to this over and over and over again. And so then I did. I cooked dinner while listening to it over and over and over again because I'm a psychopath. Great opening. I The ending theme is also fine, but uh, the I like anything that has like a bunch of crazy horn stuff. And so, yeah, the opening does it for me. I, I kind of, I was happy to see Millennium Parade because I liked their work on the soundtrack for Bell. Uh, the, the opening track to that film, also a banger. So... Like, musically. Very good. Oh, you're right, because it was Millennium Parade crossover with, like, uh, some um, other... Uh, Shinoringo, I think, uh, for Hell's Paradise. Oh, if I remember you're right. right. And so, like, again, she's a very prolific artist. Um, yeah, no, she's awesome. Like, yeah. you ever... Um, I don't know how to, like, relate, but the... Because um, <laughs> I've listened to Shinoringo a lot, and, like, the other thing that's super funny is, like, she's... Like, it's so hard to be, like, she's just a singer because she's, like, actually just, like, one of the most iconic uh, Japanese rock, like, from, like, the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, and, like, she has – her character in Guilty Gear is Eno, like, the one that's, like, the witch with the giant hat. Like, that that's based off of Sheena Ringo. Oh. She's got that crazy energy. I didn't know that. I don't play Guilty Gear, so I'm, I'm yeah. unfamiliar. Yeah. That's awesome. But like that that that's like a game series where like you have characters that are supposed to be like Axl Rose or like other like you like western rock bands but like yeah no she she's on that same level of like top top 20 all time. <sighs> nice. Yeah. So like that that was the the James's music corner uh approach. Um outside of that I don't know if we just want to have an unstructured discussion, if we want to do it like topic by topic. I have very specific thoughts that I can just express and you can respond. Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. Uh, I am much more interested in Sagiri as a character. Uh, She's my favorite. Uh, I thought, and maybe this was just like the classic plot bait and switch of like, oh man, we have our, our really cool dude with all the superpowers or whatever. And I'm like... He's nice, and I'm glad he's a wife guy, but I I am much more interested in the, like, internal conflict, and maybe it's because we get a lot of the monologue uh, from Sagiri, but uh, she is by far more interesting, uh, and I'm really enjoying. She definitely has, like, the only, like, way to grow, because I feel like Gabimaru's, like, entire character arc feels like it's already been laid out in the first two episodes. It just makes me think of the like, Snap Cube Sonic dub, just like, I miss my wife tales. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, like, but, like, that's the thing, and I'm like, you miss your wife, but, like, what's her name, bro? Like, she's Yui. just, like, my... I'm pretty sure Is it sure Yui? Because, they... like... Yeah, I'm pretty sure they already said her name. 
They did say it because, like, I just remember that one random. Oh, what was it? There was like a random like English dub thing, an official thing of saying, "Oh, this is this person who plays Gavi Maru's wife," and I'm like, "Oh wait, she just doesn't have a name." Like, no, for geez. some reason, I thought that Gavi Maru's wife was literally just called Gavi Maru's wife in the no, plot. No, 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 think... she okay. definitely has a name. <laughs> okay, good, because like that was that scared me so bad. I was like, like I oh, can't no. remember it right now, but literally, it's because I can't remember characters' names as a whole. To be yeah, honest, you're, like, you're I genuinely yeah, you're bad with names. Yeah, I'm notoriously known for that. In fact, I already forgot the protagonist if it wasn't for james mentioning it and i was like oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. his name i would have been like yeah the ninja guy <laughs> so okay no i um, need to double check that because maybe i might have held that against gabby mario a little too much because it almost felt like he was he was going a little too much like borat where he was just like my, my wife, wife. <laughs> like, oh, I was like... something you need to understand is in asian culture once you get married you never refer to the other person as with by their name I say that because my parents, I've never heard them refer to each other as their names uh, with each other's names before in my entire life. And it took me until a, like a good amount of time before I even learned what their names were, because <laughs> after I was born, my mom just called my dad Gracie's dad. And then my dad oh just my called gosh. my mom Gracie's mom. There isn't this um, there isn't this name calling thing. And then in Chinese potluck parties, um, when they are referring to each other, it's literally my husband, my wife. And so I like okay. I think that's probably why it doesn't bother me, because that's just literally how we've grown up referring to each other. So I'm just imagining like a like middle school Gracie finding out her parents aren't called mom and dad. Like that's just like well, a really I funny knew, thought. I knew they had names, <laughs> but genuinely I think I was in fourth or fifth grade before I was like, okay, those are their actual names because they, <laughs> I never hear them call each other by their names. I to I to this day still don't know my grandparents' names. I'm not going to lie. Like because oh my, my entire life it was uh mom's parents or dad's parents or just grandma grandpa. There is no name associated with it. And mm-hmm. um and then uh even further on when I was growing up with like family friends I didn't know those adult names either because we don't call them auntie name. We just call them auntie and that's yeah. it. And so um, and then on top of that, it's not helped by the fact that in Chinese, this is Chinese in particular, so not Japanese in this case, but in Chinese in particular, everyone has like 10 to like <laughs> 12 nicknames and stuff like that. Like I like I said, I have like six Chinese nicknames off the mm-hmm. top of my head. And so um so it's just like I never know which I like I basically know them by their nicknames. I have no idea what their real names are. And so um but that's not shared by Japanese. But I do think what is shared by Japanese language is I've noticed this a lot and that's also something Shauna has noticed when she's she was watching anime is that she was like, "Huh, the husbands and wives, they don't refer to each other really by their names. They're just it's like, always oh, like my, you." Yeah. It's you, 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 my husband, you know, my wife, etc. And so, and I was like, honestly, I think it just never occurred to me that this was quote unquote weird because of the fact that that's literally how I grew up. So that's probably why that's all Gabi Maru's wife is just my wife, my wife, because that's just how they refer to each other. So, (laughs) yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, to some degree, even like in the West, that's the case. Like, I don't know, my parents for the longest time just referred to each other as like mom and dad because that's mm-hmm. you know it, it it made things easier it i remember 
And this is funny because you could kind of see it operate, especially with my mom in particular, because when she's talking with her siblings, my grandparents are mom and dad because Mm -hmm. my grandparents are the parents of my mother, obviously. But then when my mom has to talk to me about my grandfather, sometimes depending on like which conversation she just exited, she will still refer to my grandfather as dad because, you know, again, my grandfather is my mom's dad, but then like catches herself and has to rephrase like, no, grandpa, sorry, not dad. Because to me, in my context, dad is my father, her husband. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I also agreed to like the, I know Nick kind of said it as a joke of just like not knowing what your parents' names were. I didn't really know <laughs> until pretty far into <laughs> elementary school. And, and I didn't, I didn't really learn my, my, if, if memory serves, like my childhood memories are not like the crispest, you know, not, not exactly 4k. We're talking about like photocopy burn levels of, of detail. Um, but I'm pretty sure I didn't actually learn my grandparents' names until I had to do a homework assignment (laughs) where it's like, write about your family. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, uh, that's actually when I first heard my grandparents' names was a homework assignment. And they're like, who is your grandfather? I'm like, my grandfather. Yeah. I don't know Grandpa's grandpa. how to answer this. So. Yeah. Who's who's your grandfather? Uh, grandpa. He's my grandpa. It's, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> it's easier to remember when your name, your middle name, is named after your grandfather, but also like the fact that your middle your middle name is Mario, and uh, <laughs> then my me. grandfather's father is also named Luigi. So it kind of just like da 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 like kind of writes itself. Yeah. Wait. Wait. Nick, are you joking or are you being serious? No, he's no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. My middle name is Mario. Oh and my, my gosh! My, my grandfather's name's Mario, and like <laughs> his father, my great great grandfather, is like his name is Luigi. Like, oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. I get that a lot. I love that this is the context that Gracie is learning this because I've known this for a couple of years. I have point. to pull out my my driver's license sometimes if you're just not gonna believe that. No, but... I believe you. I just like I was just like I need to be sure this is not like a joke. <laughs> no, no, I don't joke ever. Oh sure, sure <laughs> you don't. No, you Nick, you absolutely should have just made something up and been like, yeah, this is revenge <laughs> for the first of the month. <laughs> just revenge everything there yeah. we go um so about so so gabby martin he's a wife guy that's kind of his main character i don't i don't know if there's any other spot he can go um yeah, he could pull he could do a, a complete devastating heel turn like the try guy and not be a wife guy um Real. But he slowly kind of learned expecting about... that reference to come in. <laughs> <laughs> but like that was devastating when you found out about that, was Absolutely. it not? Um But the the point is that with Gavin Mario is like his main thing about being the heartless cold shinobi, but then realizing he has to kinda it's okay to use his emotions because it's like that's the thing that's keeping him grounded with the memories of his wife and while he's ultimately trying to get the pardon yeah. to go back to his wife. Um I guess that's kind of his main thing. He's like, he's really strong. Yeah. The, it's, have... it, it's, he's going to have to like explore his more emotional side, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure nec- like how that's going to happen because, and I could be wrong. I don't write stories. I'm bad at it, which is why I don't. Um, but I feel like if you're trying to explore someone's emotional side, especially when it comes to 
their views on other people, the best way to do that is have them interact with as many different people as possible, or at least, like, a, a larger group of people. And the plot well, of this I mean, is literally just happening in the fourth. Yeah, episode, they've met more yeah. people. They've like they've encountered by the end of episode four, they've encountered another another group. But it's also like, all right, get in the wilderness, go. All right, now now sort out your emotions in the wilderness. <laughs> Which I know works for he's some like people, he's so but... practical, so he's like, well, gotta guess I gotta kill people. To Here I go survive. kill it again. Too bad my wife will be sad. Yeah, <laughs> but he still stabs anyways. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, I, I'm not unhappy with it necessarily right now because I am much more interested in, in Sagi, uh, but, you know, it's a, it is an avenue that they have presented and means that there is the chance, you know, prob- a high probability they will explore it later, and so, you know, it's a kind of, I'm not saying it's a Chekhov's gun or something, but they're leaving it here and we've recognized that that's a thing they could do, and maybe they're just not going to start on that development right now and they'll get to it later, but they're planting the seeds at, at, right at this moment other stuff in the show i love the finger centipedes because i feel like if i showed them to some of my friends it would freak them out and make them extremely uncomfortable and i find that very amusing um i love seeing all the like weird wacky messed up character designs i like the fact that one of the executioners kind of is just like yeah they take from buddhist and taoist uh iconography which aren't supposed to that aren't supposed to go together so already that's like super whack and then we are including just yeah and they just all got extra arms and stuff inside of like embedded in them and there's a fish man with multiple arms and i think several sets of nipples i can't remember it entirely in detail yeah like the monster design is like genuinely unsettling it's great it's, like, i love it it's it's kind of great because like you're going into this thinking it's kind of being more shonen-y and then it's like oh this is like kind of disturbing like, yeah the, <laughs> the initial body horror of like oh the flowers are blooming out of a body is like yeah it's supposed to be gross but there is still this you know beauty associated with the flowers and now it's it's like i i think that's on purpose i don't think that's on accident (laughs) yeah no i'm not saying it's on accident like it's it's you got baited this is not paradise this is hell um but uh i i am much uh, like i i i can appreciate again i not again but i can appreciate the the uh the gap between body horror and beautiful flowers i think that's a very like artsy and poetic but i am also 100 percent on board with we took a fish and gave it legs too many arms and uh, it gargles a lot um it makes me first uh, when i first saw the fish man i'm like ah yes someone else has watched gyo tokyo fish attack <laughs> <laughs> so monster design i'm i'm 100 on board i love it i can't wait to see more of them uh, I hope they get even wackier and more gross and terrifying. Keep up the good work. Especially when they made it, like, very apparent that, like, everything in the island can kill you. Where yeah. the very first introduction you have with Tamiya is that he gets stung by the flowers, with the, the butterflies with the human face, realizes that that's probably what's giving people their uh, flower infection. That well, turns not even, I think, the flower, flower infection. I just think he sees it and goes, that's not good, and his immediate That's not good! Cuts his hand off. Like, no, I, I, I like that moment a lot. It was just like, oh, this is like, this is a very scary place. Yeah. I, I like, I like Tamiya's 
character in general. I'm sorry, I'm just going to piggyback off that because yeah. we get his like a little bit of backstory and all these other characters are like, yeah, they there's the guy that loves weapons and there's a guy that he just he kills for pleasure and there's, you know, all these other like terrible horrible people and the reason why Tommy is this condemned criminal is he got drunk and accidentally and well not accidentally, but he got really drunk and broke a dude's arch and the dude happened to be powerful enough that he's like that's it, die. He did not want to lose a bet, which I I understand, you know, like yeah. how far will you go to like not lose a bet? I I like commit to the bit. I bought like a, I mean, somebody else paid for it, but I committed an entire weekend to flying down, you know, several hundred miles. We are miles talking to about it. Nope, we're gonna just hint at it for like eight months. Anyway, yeah, commit to the bit, man. So mad props. I hope he makes it. I I mean. He's probably going to die, but I hope he makes it really far before he dies. I, I just assume everyone's dying, so I'm like, I'm not even going to say I hope they live. It's I hope they make it a really long I hope they time die in they a die. really cool way, yeah. like they do a backflip or something. Yeah. Chopped yeah. in half by the fish Wait, man. Nico, uh, you were the one who wanted to talk about Hell's Paradise. Was the main thing just, like, the Gabimaro's wife thing? <laughs> uh, no, that wasn't the main thing, because okay, I, I okay. do feel like the, the first two episodes of Hell, Hell's Paradise are kind of like the litmus test of, like, if... You think it's slow at the first episodes, then it ends up picking up once they get to the island. I think that, like, the actual setting on the island is such an interesting bit that, like, when, when you talk to people who had already read the original manga, that was, like, the first thing they said was, like, how are the first two episodes? Because it's, like, the initial bit is you gather all of the condemned criminals. Um, Gabimaru finds out he loves his wife, Shocker, and then all of the random people you've introduced to now have to kill each other so you're like oh don't get attached to any characters because i guess it's a giant free-for-all um but then i think once they actually get to the island it provides like a really interesting dynamic because you know that everyone is out for themselves because only one person can get pardoned but it's to the point where the other condemned criminals are threats but they feel like they're not as big of a threat as just like the, the sheer otherworldly scariness right. of the island um that actually gives you like interesting dynamics of like when these people are actually going to be willing to work with each other or are they only in for themselves or is because like the initial bit i think every criminal had as they stepped on the island was well if i just kill all of the other criminals i could just simply survive and find the elixir of life that way but that like kind of immediately gets um that plan just kind of gets destroyed the second they make first contact with anything there because they're like oh we don't understand anything here there's fish man things the butterflies kill you centipedes. Um, there's just no there's just no sense that you can be safe at any point to even just do like basic wilderness survival in this scenario it's just like oh maybe we actually do have to work together like but they will still stab each other if they get the opportunity. Yeah. Um, I really liked the last episode, actually, like, a lot. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought it did such a good job of introducing some of the important characters and giving you insight as to, like, um, it, like, it was just a really good way to introduce some of the characters. Like, even the, like, we technically met the, uh, the female, the female ninja, Kunoichi. I forgot her name. Big surprise there. <laughs> um, but we technically met her already. But, like, this time, I'm like, oh, we meet her now. And what I really liked is she's telling you all these things about how she figured out the information. 
And then, but we know that's not how she actually figures out the information. But then we also don't know how she actually figured out the information. That like sort of like, like yeah, we you know, know she's lying, but we don't know actually. We still don't know what the truth is. Yes, exactly. And I and that whole segment over there where it's like she's not lying about the information that she learned, but at least she's but she's not telling you everything. But at the same time, she's definitely lying about how she got the information. But then how did she get the information? We don't know. At the end of the episode, I really like that play. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we just know the former partner is probably dead because the other two samurai that are there are like, yep, he's super dead. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Super ultra mega dead. Yeah, I, I think it's at the end of episode three when we get when like the purple haired. Again, I'm also bad with names. It doesn't help that all the executioners... Yuzuriha. No, no, not Yuzuriha. She's the Kunoichi. Uh, Yeah, Kunoichi. I'm talking about uh, the purple-haired samurai dude at the end of... Sorry, executioner at the end of episode three. That is in charge of the... No, 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 not the two brothers. I'm talking about the guy that was in charge of the dude that likes weapons so much that he sewed armor onto his own body. That that guy's honestly the smartest one because he was like, well, let's just get my guy that I'm in charge of dead so so I can can just go home because this is scary. I don't want to go to Silent Hill Island. Yeah, but he's... At, at the end of the episode, he's giving, like, this prediction of, like, oh, so much is going to change in, like, the next 24 hours. Oh, that hours. was cool. That was um, really cool, yeah. Which I, I enjoyed kind of the the montage and, like, different cuts to, like, seeing everybody else. Uh, but part of me is, like, is this just how he imagines things are going? Or are we actually seeing what's happening elsewhere on the island? So that set of set part, uh, like, that sense of doubt was already there. And then, again, just at the very end eye patch mentor executioner guy just gets narked immediately just dies yes i remember this because the girls were here at my place for our grow taco shopping trip and we watched it together and agnes knew what was coming because she's read the manga from beginning to end she really loves the manga and so and both isabel and i are like what like like we both had a feeling that he was eventually going to die, but we weren't expecting episode three. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yep. And that montage you spoke about is actually one of my favorite scenes. I actually went back and rewatched that montage because I liked it so much with it on top of like the monologue of the, of the samurai guy who got his charge killed and was like, yep, I'm out of here, guys. And so um, I like that scene a lot to the point that I rewatched it. That's a very good scene. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, So the thing is, Hell's Paradise is number one. It has been number one for two weeks in a row. And uh, in particular, it isn't the strongest production-wise in regards to animation. This is something that the Sakura people have pointed out lots of times. And definitely it doesn't um, spark in the same way that um, compared to the manga. Because if, if you've seen the manga art, it is gorgeous. Like drop I will have to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and that's actually why Agnes didn't care about the anime, despite the fact that she loves the manga so much. Because she saw the PV and she was like, oh no, 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 no. Because she's like, the colors are muted. The designs are a lot simpler. And of course, you know, things do have to get simplified when it comes to animation simply because of movements and stuff like that. But she's like, it's just the the flavoring of the art is just not there. And it's become, it's looked very generic compared to what it looks like in the manga. And the Sakuga people have pointed out over and over again that there's nothing like going on in regards to the animation department either. 
in regards to visual storytelling and stuff. There's definitely a few uh, fights where I'm like, this could be a wicked awesome fight. Oh, and it's done. Yes, exactly. And I don't know if that, part of me is like, that could just be a shortcut to save time, but part of me is like, they just didn't have the resources to animate. They didn't have the resources, uh, you are correct. And so... Um, and so I did see someone who tweeted and was like, um, like Hell's Paradise being number one on, um, on polls and be, and then Sakuga people like crying about it because it's not like up to par in regards to that. Um, and they didn't even tag us. And I was like, I know which chart they're talking about. They're talking about ours. <laughs> and so, um, and then someone responded. It was like, oh, it's like, you know, like, it's not fair that Oshinoko's not number one, but to that person's credit uh, who originally made that chart and is one of the sakuga people is that <clears throat> he's <clears throat> they specifically said that um they understand why it's number one just based on story and characters because it's has a really interesting plot and world right now and then the biggest most important part is that it captures the shoujo jose audience um, a lot of the other anime, there tends to be a split in demographics, but Hell's Paradise, with the way it's written, and especially the characters, the the wife man is extraordinarily, extraordinarily, extraordinarily simped after and beloved by all the people. Yeah, because he's a wife guy. Because he's a wife guy. He's a wife guy. guy yeah. And so... Um, so he, so the person like, you know, responded back to the whole like, oh, oh, shoot, no, Ko should be number one was saying, well, I actually do understand why it's number one, because this type of the story and cast of characters does cross multiple boundaries of demographics that a lot of anime don't usually reach and so that's why they're like ultimately i'm not surprised that it's number one because of that it's just the sakuka isn't there that makes us sad (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean again that's something where these are the the experts in this particular field of like animation critique so of course they're gonna they're gonna weight animation i think a little higher than a lot of other aspects of the production Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, it's kind of what it is. And it is, I guess, a testament to the show that even with not as active animation, the, you know, characters and the, the story can still like hard carry it. Like, you know, imagine just imagine in, in the in your mind's eye if if like full animation resources had been dedicated to it. Well, that's what, that's what they a are. Bajillion dollars. That's why the Sakuga people are sad because they're like, oh, this does deserve one of those. Like, oh, they're, they're weeping packages. over the loss of the anime that could have been. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Join the crowd. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their mm-hmm. own show that's like that of like, oh, this could have been something. And you know what? It's never going to be mm-hmm. the anime that lives in your head will never exist. Well, except 86. 86 was successful, so... I, I didn't watch 86. I can't comment. Ugh, I love 86. I mean, you guys knew that already, but... Yes, we knew that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway, uh, closing thought. I mean, we're, we might end a little early, but I'm I'm kind of all out of thoughts at the moment. Um, we are still... We are only four episodes in. It's like a third of the way, so... You know, there's still so much more that we can... We get to explore. Um, if I was a more botanically inclined person... Uh, I would definitely like to see, like, hey, there's the comment that all these flowers aren't supposed to be growing here, which I think is super cool. Uh, you know what would be really cool? Because I'm a huge dork. Somebody taking screenshots of the anime and going, okay, this is this flower, and this is that flower, <laughs> and they're native to two completely different regions on the planet, Marina and this is this botanist. flower. I'm sure there's an otaku botanist somewhere out there. There probably is. <laughs> 
I mean, like, I guess, like, the closest thing I think that could help is if you ever watched that, like, that Animal Planet sequence where it's the Cordyceps fungi that are, funnily enough, the fungi that are featured in The Last of Us, a zombie show. But, like, the... Like the feeling you get is like I don't think it necessarily is like needs botany knowledge, but it's more like it's like unnatural just because it's like so much overgrowth and like so much of it is like very bright colors. Where I think like bright colors in usually indicate like some sort of poison. Yeah, usually like, bright colors away. are like back off. This is bad, except for flowers, which are hey bees, come hang out. Yeah, exactly. But like because of that, it's like they're kind of used in that same way of being like it's infectious. It's it's like don't yeah. really want to touch this. Um I will say there is something about plants that are a little scarier. Like I you saying that was like I was imagining, for example, a cactus up in like um the northern mountains or something like that. I was like, oh, that would be really weird to see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's, Just like a single a single lone door. cactus menacingly standing with his little arms sticking up. Well cactus yeah. have some pretty insanely like scary looking flowers. I mean they're gorgeous, but scary looking flowers as well. So it's like imagine a blooming cactus in like the snowy mountains. I le- I think I legit would be like, huh, we are walking around that area. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe that is like if I knew more about plants, I would definitely get the more unsettling part of it. But for me, I kind of look at and go look at all the pretty tropical flowers. (laughs) So, yeah, with tropical, I I just think of like, I don't know, like all of the tropical diseases and like. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's very uh, the tropics are are a great way to die. Yeah, like Um, plants are scary. Or even just the things that like plants, because whenever they show like the um, the, the butterflies with the human faces, I just think of like the tsetse fly in like in Africa. Is that the one that like, lays its eggs in your eyes? Uh, I don't know, but it definitely bites, and like it's one of the main reasons why you don't get very large animals in those jungly areas because it definitely infects and just kills much like surface a lot area. of things, yeah. like. And they're just like big flies that just sting really badly, and it's just like that's a scary thought. Yeah, I I I, I had a thought when we were talking about the beginning, and I know that this is not this location I'm about to mention is not in the tropics, but when we were like, yeah, the island where everything wants to kill you, and I was like, hang on a second, this is in Australia. Oh, that's pretty funny, actually. Well, the other thing that I like to think about is like the fact that like they're not only just bending, like plants together it's like they're also bending different iconography like the, oh, yeah. the buddhism and taoism mix where it's like that that's what kind of gives it the more unnatural setting you're like it's heretical like something that like usually some of the core tenets are like striving for purity of form or purity of design and you have like buddha a uh, buddha with like three uh, like three like necks sticking out like it's, it's like the sort of thing where it like it does not look aesthetically pleasing and that's the point it's like it's trying to like take like what's normally idolized as like something that's like a perfect form and then just like giving it like unnatural contortion yeah i i love the the corruption of form is is always a fascinating uh fascinating avenue to go down and i do enjoy things that kind of explore that and i think hell's paradise does it really well um Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward again i'm looking forward to more of it i'm looking forward to many more of the finger centipedes uh yeah 10 out of 10 (laughs) he's just like the scary fish man yeah (laughs) 
I do like the brothers. I think from episode four with Chobe yeah. and his I brother like Toma, like those, those two, that dynamic is like definitely my favorite. Of Nico because I like I, uh, I after I watched that last episode, I was like, okay, add another serial killer on the list of problematic characters that Gracie loves. <laughs> um yeah i i like them (laughs) do you like it now that he's like less problematic because like on one sense you don't know whether or not he actually cares for his brother or if the fact that like they're still together just because they've been strong enough to stick together i think he does though like i my vibes (laughs) my my character sensing vibes which by the way has not been broad i totally thought there was a weird thruple thing going on in this shoujo manga and i was effing right (laughs) this last weekend (laughs) um, (laughs) i'm just gonna leave that on the table get back to it later <laughs> huh? Anyway, so so with so with no knowledge of like the manga because I don't I don't have knowledge of the manga like Chobei or Toma who die who dies first like probably Chobei right because he's like the stronger one that like he's always been showing Toma like how the strong rule the world and so the ultimate test is like well I wasn't strong enough therefore I have to die and Toma well, has to live Agnes if he's strong kind enough. Of spoil it for me where I mean not like it's not a full on spoiler but based on what she said I can deduce because. Hang on, I thought we were. I thought don't spoil anything for our dear. Let's listeners. not spoil if like we if we think. It's but, not like, like I don't basically know. all Agnes said is that uh, the blondie. <laughs> Sorry, I just called blondie, but uh, uh, keep it out of your okay. Who voices the blondie? Um, so uh, the blondie, mm-hmm. the older brother. All she said is that he's very strong, but I don't know. Just the way that she said it, I'm like, I feel like he probably makes it, and so. Um, but that's my guess, just based on that one sentence, and just feeling out her vibe got it because like because like the the idea of like expecting them to invert it would be to have chobay the stronger one die so like i i could i could see it where chobay just straight up lives because he's strong like that's already been his motive and like i don't know why just because when they called him like the bandit king i just i get like random luffy vibes but it's like luffy if he was extremely selfish like because he's just got like a really interesting like childlikeness to his yeah like, um character yeah whereas toma that. toma is a little bit more like he just idolizes his brother too much that like he he's not 100 percent living his life like in the same ideals but he's at least just following he doesn't really have his i own, did like, fall for the independent bait and switch, though at the at the end of fourth episode where it looks like the older brother ran off without the younger one yeah, 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 yeah. I also fell for that. Yeah, I fell for that, but then he like actually came back and that that's actually what sealed the deal. And I was like, okay, adding this mm. character to characters I love. <laughs> so <laughs> just I think the the that bait and switch worked really well though, just because so many other characters have died unceremoniously like that in the pre yeah. like you just expect it. So you're yeah. not you're not surprised. Yeah, like I, I would have been okay if like either option had happened if yeah. Toma gets abandoned. Like I was like, Yeah, that's pr- that's pretty lined up with like the the island it's more like they kind of mutually understood like yeah we could get killed by scary butterflies um so i think it makes sense to survive by just abandoning me um no hard feelings bro that means they just understand each other really well to some yeah degree. exactly yeah exactly that's why i was like man their bond is so strong that they're willing to abandon each other without a second thought which is like kind of a weird like you kind of have to like invert the logic a little bit to get to that point, but like, do do you kind of get what I'm saying? Like, it's just yeah. like there's just, I, I there's just like such an understanding of each other. Yep. Oh man. 
So I, I, the fact that we have this much to talk about only four episodes in has me really excited for towards the end of the season where we can probably like get more into it. And then once the season ends, we can maybe say like, I'll pick Agnes's brain to be like, Hey, how much more do I have to read now? <laughs> you guys think Hell's Paradise is going to like stay up top? I feel like it, like, I don't know, number one, but probably up in like the top for the rest of the season yeah it's i mean last season i think we talked about like the bucket or maybe it was two seasons ago like the bucket of top four and i think we're gonna get something very similar to that this season and i think the bucket has kind of been established what do you think the bucket is i think it's probably the top four at this moment i mean i haven't watched tengoku daimakyo that could change uh, a lot but hell's paradise absolutely is gonna stay in the bucket oshinoko is gonna stay in the bucket um mobile suit gundam i think will probably stay in the bucket because if it, I don't think the the season two drop off that we sometimes see is happening for the show. Uh, the only the only intruder I could possibly see is Skip and Loafer. If that like dukes it out with uh with someone else, uh, that that might be a kind I, of. I, thing. I think Skip and Loafer could definitely bump um Tengoku Daimakyo or Mobile Suit Gundam. Really, but okay. um, I I, th- I think it's just legitimately fluffy. It's like I just I'm like this is a really good show and. It's more than just the fluff, and you watch it, and you're like, oh, this is, like, really, really amazing. I, I think at that point, though, it might come down to just audience size, because Skip and Loafer is, you know, a very accessible kind of fluffy rom-com thing. Which for Mercury, very, very good show. Uh, the fan base for season two is the fan base from season one, minus yeah. whoever hasn't started voting yet. And so, depending on the sizes of those two fan bases, that could be what decides. It's just numbers. <laughs> Did you watch the most recent episode, Nico, for uh, Skipping Loafer? Yes, because it came out yesterday. It's such a good show. It was good, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm like, I just, it's just like, it's hard to be like, yeah, like such a common phrase I always hear is like where this show is good because these people act like normal people, which is kind of kind of a funny like spot where it's kind of like that feels like such a baseline of just them being like complicated characters. But I, I just think that genuinely like their dynamics with each other um, I think happens so fluidly and natural that um, makes it a little bit more believable. Like why some of the characters feel their their way about each other. Um, And it it does lead to like pretty funny, um, pretty funny situations because like you're putting in the work yourself to set up the punchline as it goes in. Um, I don't know how to describe that without like just, Character writing is really fun, and I just think that the animation's got really high quality. I actually saw someone with uh, your comment from our first impressions where you specifically said that you like the dynamics between the two leads because you feel like, because um, they're doing the whole opposites attract trope, which has been a trope since forever. But yeah. in particular for you, you said that this opposites attract trope makes sense. And so, um, like, it just makes sense to you. And I actually saw a comment almost, like, echoing exactly what you said, being like, this, like, something about this opposites attract trope just feels right compared to all the other ones. (laughs) Yeah, like, I think it's because of the fact that, like, not often you get, like, both couples, like, genuinely learning from each other in, like, a weird, like, extremely positive sort of dynamic. Because sometimes it's, like... It's a he said, she said, she's they're like upset a little bit in some ways. Like, like it's just like I don't know, it's it's very rare where you find like the dynamic is just genuinely fluffy and positive um all the way through without it feeling like 
I don't know, like, um, I'm going to bash Tony Kaku over the moon with you just because it's just like person falls like in your lap and then it's like the positiveness is there, but it doesn't feel organic. It just feels like artificially fluffy for over the moon with you. Whereas like skipping loaf around is like, okay, a couple things have to happen in order for them to meet, but then their dynamic is like, like it's already there. And you're like, wow, that was like kind of insanely um uh organic i guess it just it just happens you're like this is this is this is nice it didn't feel like they they cheated surprised that we've given up on demon slayer actually (laughs) i i haven't watched any demon slayer since the train oh i fell off i haven't gotten back on okay yeah like i yeah I, i like it i mean i'm going to it it's just like I guess the difference is, like, with Demon Slayer, it's like, I already know what to expect at that point. It's not like the third or fourth arc is going to dramatically change how I feel about the whole series. That, like, I, it's, it's okay being, like, comfort, um, comfort quality where it kind of feels like shows that are way better than Demon Slayer are, like, I'm cheating looking at this list, but I'm like, shows that are higher ranked than, than Demon Slayer are, like, legitimately top-notch shows for the season, and everything after that could be like kind of mid to like okay. Um not necessarily like like Demon Slayer is the mid show. That's like that's not the right way to think about it, but it's more like I think it's just like such a straightforward baseline of like this is objectively a good show going in. Um there's some problems with the CG, but I think it's like it's like the B beginning test where I'm like, this is everything above here is really good, everything below is kinda kinda okay, but um so I did actually binge read Demon Slayer recently. Um, oh, you Gracie reading? Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. Um, so I did binge read Demon Slayer lately, and what I will say is, it's the later arcs that are ex- like near the end that, like, those were the those were the ones that really got to me, and mm-hmm. I kind of just reinforced it when I reread it again, where I was like, yeah, it's it's the end. <laughs> the ending arcs that are like extremely extremely good and i it's like it's weird because you know demon slayer wrote, like you know got its popularity and got its um it got its praise from like the anime's like first few arcs but i'm like looking at it as a whole i really like i'm like i if i had read the manga like I mean, I, I still have that thought too, where I'm like, I do think the beginning is honestly rather like shonen basic. Um, and it's a biggest appeal is its characters because its characters are cute and, uh, and funny and likable. And so, um, and, and also the demons are very well written in regards to like every time they die, you're forced or not forced really, but um, you see what their lies were. And uh, it really nails in the fact that like, Luzon really likes to take advantage of either people who are just really messed up or people who are at their lowest point and so they get manipulated really easily and so and so but yeah I was just like but everything from I'm like really it's the characters that was holding it up in regards to everything and it was specifically the last two arcs where I was like okay no that that was good that was very very good so so I'm basically along for the ride waiting for the last I'm at. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there at some point. I, I think I think Demon Slayer has kind of fallen into um, 
a similar thing. And I, I, it's very difficult for me to say this now because I basically haven't watched either show at this point. But back when I think like season six of Hiroaka was like doing fine, and the general yes, consensus yes. is like the show is pretty good. Yes, it's just that yes. it's been airing for so long that everybody is like, this is a good show. We all agree that this is a generally good show. We're going to talk about other stuff. And I think that that's kind of what's going on with Demon Slayer right now is this is a good show. Generally, like consensus wise, we all agree this is a good show. We're going to talk about some of the other. Yeah, stuff exactly. Then. Like yeah. other shown in so, like Attack on Titan, I don't think had that issue because it was like, this is a good show, but also it changed a lot of stuff and we need to talk about the currently airing new season right now. Um, I think is the main, I, yeah. I feel like the same dynamic is still there with Demon Slayer. Like it's still good. Like exactly like you said, it just, it just needs to like, once it like pushes the envelope in some way, I think that's when more people I think will hop onto it. That's the last two arcs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Gracie, the last two arcs. I read those arcs too. We'll get to them. We just have to be patient and then I can be sad all over again. <laughs> And with that, do we have any other closing thoughts for this week? No, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that Gracie is that's all it. done Let's with go. thoughts. Head empty. I mean, the only other thought I would have is that I've been feeling shameful because Aqua looks very hot, except he's a middle school character. And I'm like, this is like ethically inaccurate of me to find this character. Yeah. Hot, but Especially I'm when like, he's I'm doing, like, he's starting to do his problematic things. So it's like, hmm. I'm like, I blame the character design for giving him that awesome, like asymmetrical hairstyle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> The characters that are canonically really attractive are attractive. They're oh, middle whatever shall we do? I can't do that. They're middle schoolers. <laughs> okay, and like I'm, I look. You know what? I'm gonna we're gonna, stop. We're gonna here. do that at the Oshinoko episode. We get to say just just yeah, we're, we'll, hold we'll it talk in about and let stuff. it just boil, James. Yeah, with boil. No, that that leads to uh to bubbling over, and then I have to spend all afternoon cleaning my stovetop. We're gonna let this sit on a simmer on the back uh, back burner. Um, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, give us a rating and listen to it again. Uh, tell your friends, send them a link. Uh, if you want more of this podcast, well, you found it. Otherwise, you can follow us on Twitter at at any trends pod. If you want me and my bad takes and occasional railroad tangents you can follow me at at konochioda uh nick where can people find you you can find me at nico the neko where i will be posting my thoughts of watching Tsukihime while on covid because i lost all my sense of taste including taste in anime uh gracie oh! where can people find you girl t-a-k-u underscore a-t and you can listen to girl taku at apple Podcasts, um spotify google Podcasts, the usual places yeah everywhere that you can find this podcast you can find girl taku definitely go and give them a listen uh if there's anything that you want us to talk about you know send us a send us a tweet or something i don't know interact with us i do a terrible job with the social media for the podcast and i'm gonna try to do better but uh <laughs> in the meantime thanks for listening and we'll see you next time Thank you. Bye.